Steve, happy Monday. How are you? Uh, really good on this beautiful Monday slash Thursday pre-record. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask how your weekend was, but yeah, we're lying again. It's Thursday. We're uh, pre-recording a Monday minute holiday weekend. And uh, what are you going to be out camping on Monday? Yeah, I'm probably fishing with my daughter right now at this current point in time, I hope, out of, yeah. Uh, yeah, up in the mountains. So yeah. taking a long weekend for the fourth of the family and, and hanging out and go camping with uh, one of my best friends, uh, Keith, that, uh, um, yeah, we're going to get the two families together. So nice. it's going to be a fun weekend, hopefully. Yeah. Well, as we'll pretend it's Monday, I am working, so uh, give me a call if you need anything. <laughs> 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 Guys are listening, have pack questions, give me a call. Um, yeah, we just wanted to, as usual on a Monday minute, kind of hit some listener questions. We had some good stuff in here from you guys and always thank you for that. Uh, again, I know we mention it every time, but just shoot us an email podcast at exomountaingear.com, uh, with any question, we'd be happy to chat through it. Uh, whether it's a big one, a small one, or as we kind of talked about the last Monday minute, a a quote unquote, impressively stupid question, (laughs) we'll be happy to help. So do shoot us that email. Um, but one of the ones we want to hit today was, uh, the guy wrote in basically said he listened to our Pack Essentials series, uh, which was not too long ago. We kind of covered those high-level items that go into uh, your pack for hunting. And he was basically asking not so much about what to pack, but how to pack. So he said, how do you organize your packs when going into the backcountry for three to five days? Just curious if you had any tips or tricks that that make loading a pack easier or better. Um, we did kind of cover this in depth, but it was a long time ago, episode number 47. Uh, the title of that is how to load, adjust and fit your hunting pack. So that would be a good in-depth conversation, um, to go back to, uh, but Steve, what are the first things that come to mind when in terms of efficiently yeah. and effectively loading the pack? Yeah. I mean, just from the, um, kind of the tone of the question to me, like the first thing that came to mind was consistency. Um, we know, and then we we actually, uh, just this morning we had a guy email in, I saw that email. I'm sure you've seen it too. Um, basically like you guys appear to have a really great quality pack, but why don't you have pockets on the outside? Um, and clearly didn't like look too much in detail at the pack because it is, does have pockets. They're just very streamlined, but we don't have lots of little zippered pockets, um, that, my saying is always enough pockets to quickly, easy, easily, efficiently get to your gear. Not so many pockets that you can't remember where you put, you know, your knife, your headlamps, things like that. So, um, but yeah, consistency. Um, I just load the pack the same way every single time. And so it becomes very easy for me to find my headlamp, to find my water filter, to find my TP, uh, to find this, to find that. Right. Um, and, and that's basically all I preach to guys is, um, I just, it's the same thing every single time sleeping, pa- uh, sleeping bag in the very bottom of the pack, sleeping pad on top of that tent. Um, depending on the pack for me, it's typically a 3,200, um, tent, tarp, baby sack, whatever, like, but you know, anything that's kind of my shelter goes on the far, uh, I go through the side zipper all the way to the other side of the pack. Uh, and then basically stove goes right next to the zipper. It's one thing I'm going to want to get to quickly, um, during the day, but something I only, you know, I'll pull out maybe once, uh, or twice if it's a, a, a long day of glass and I make coffee multiple times. And then, uh, then I just layer on extra jackets and food on top of that. And then on the outside of the pack is, you know, spine scope tripod are always going to be in side pockets, headlamps always in my lower right side pocket. 
TP water filters always in the lower left side pocket. Um, you know, butt pad, sitting pad, if I'm taking one, will be in the front stretch pocket. And then um, last year I, I ran a 3200 without a lid. That was kind of my preferred thing. So inside the – I put a stash pocket inside the top of the water bladder sleeve, and that's going to have um, little random things like a, a knife, my inReach, uh, chapstick, those couple things I need to get to quickly. And then I'd run an, another cha- uh, stash pocket on the inside of the pack for uh, first aid kit. Um, oh, this just kind of that spare stuff, right? That's in that stash pocket of, uh, you know, lighter first aid kits, uh, extra headlamp, those kind of random things. So, but yeah, just, uh, consistency, man, it, it becomes really easy. If you just put your headlamp in a different pocket, different place every single time. Yeah. When it gets dark, you're fumbling around, it gets frustrating. You're like, ah, I wish I had more of a, you know, a specific spot to put this, but it's just really just comes down to the user just being consistent with it. And it doesn't, doesn't take a whole lot of extra effort to do that. So, yeah. Yeah. There's a, uh, a lot in what you just mentioned, Steve, about how you load your pack that there's more to it than that. I think, um, and we cover that in the previous episode. I'm pretty sure that we do. I, I haven't listened to that number episode 47 in quite some time, but there are ways to load a pack that's going to help it to, you know, distribute weight better and all that. Uh, there's ways to load it for efficiency in terms of access. And that's all inherent in what you just said of, you know, your sleeping bags at the bottom, that's doing multiple things. There's a, that's, you know, providing you a base to keep some of those heavier items up top. So, which is just better for load performance. And then also sleeping bag being at the bottoms just has it down there and out of the way. Cause you're not accessing that until you're setting up camp. So there's lots of little things that come into where you can situate items in the pack. Um, but I would say that, you know, what you just mentioned and you ran through it really quick, Steve, listeners go back to that and really think through some of the why behind that, um, because there is a lot to it. And I'm not saying you have to do exactly what you just said, Steve, but I would say that uh, what you just said there quickly about where things are and why that's come over a lot of time and experience. And there are certain reasons for that. So um, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, you ran through it quick. I just want to make sure that guys yeah, were like, it wasn't yeah, just random that you just said those things there. No, for sure. It's, it's layered based on exactly what you said. Um, weight. I want light, item, light items in the bottom, dense items kind of in the middle between your shoulder blades and then lighter items again up on top. And then, uh, and then also taking that into consideration, it's items that I need to get to, right? So sleeping bag, pad, tent, I am not going to get to those, um, you know, unless a fluke storm comes in the middle of the day and I set up just to get out of it. Right. But typically that's tearing down in the dark in the morning, stuffing it in there. And then I'm not getting back to those items until it's dark again that night setting up camp. So, um, and then yeah, stove is right there by the zipper. So I don't, I'm not like burying it in the bottom of the pack on the other side where I can't get to it. So in the middle of the day, if I do want to make coffee, I'm not yard sale my pack to get that stove out of there. Um, and then, you know, the, the whole, all of our designs are based around basically all the items you don't need to get to during the day or inside the main bag for, for the most part. Right. And then we're wrapped with enough pockets around the outside of the bag and, and a lid on top to, to, you have, just think about all the items that you are going to need during that day. Um, so again, going back to spine scope, tripod, uh, headlamp, I want quick access to water filter, toilet paper, uh, snacks, food, um, you know, those typically kind of go in my lid or right inside the side zipper, depending on what combo I'm running. Um, you know, knife, chapstick, 
sitting pad, all that stuff's going to be available to quickly access within, you know, by simply undoing a zipper or undoing a buckle. Um, so it's definitely thought out. Uh, and like I said, it's, it's thought out and then I just do it the same every single time. Um, so it becomes very easy while I'm out there hunting. Yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, we had some follow-up actually from a couple guys you had mentioned, I think this was back during the TSS episodes as well about trying, uh, numerous different jackets and specifically some down jackets and, we had, I think, mentioned doing some sort of review or like summary of your findings there. Um, before we get into specifics, one guy wrote in and said, what are the pros and cons for down versus synthetic specifically for jackets? Um, I think we've talked about, you know, down versus synthetic more in terms of um, sleeping bags and quilts and that type of deal. I don't know that we've necessarily covered as much on jackets, but uh, what are your thoughts there, Steve? Um. You know, I think the the old standby answer. Um, I'm going to preface this with: I don't have a ton of experience uh, like testing both of these in any depth, right? I, I think you need to like talk to somebody that's Alaska, Oregon, Washington coast where it rains a lot because that's the that's the upside to synthetics, right? Is when they're wet, they retain their warmth. Um, but I will say, I um, I bought uh, an Enlightened Equipment quilt last year, uh, two years ago, and uh, I went like ultra, ultra light and went too far. Uh, so then I started researching like, well, can I just buy some down, uh, cut open the, the thing, stuff some more down in there and add some warmth to it. Um, took a long, it was a long process, but I ended up doing it. I bought three ounces of uh, 950 filled down and it said it was, uh, you know, water resistant down. And I just kind of like, like, ah, oh, all right, whatever. Yeah. Water resistant. I'm sure that's like more of a marketing thing. It's not actually water resistant. Um, but I, uh, earlier just a few months ago during during lockdown uh, i decided to finally tackle that project so i cut open uh cut open the sleeping bag started grabbing the down and i was stuffing it in there and i i had this little enclosed trailer that i put myself in because i knew the down was going to be kind of fluffy and all over the place you know i actually uh conveniently had a, a mask uh, so i put a mask <laughs> on so i wasn't breathing it down but it was like 10 times more of a mess than i realized down it was bomb. Gonna be. Yeah, it was just down. Like, yeah, uh, you imagine like a, a girl pillow fight with down just floating around <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> like, it was uh, it was a mess. So, like, ten minutes into it, I'm like, f this. I'm just gonna like, I'm just gonna get the down completely soaking wet and saturate it, and then it won't fluff around. I'll stuff it in there, uh, let it dry, and then sew it up. Um, so I I had all the down in this trash bag. I took it over to the hose on the side of the house and just started dumping water in there, and. I kid you not, after about 20 minutes, I could not saturate that down. I was completely and utterly blown away. Um, like literally I would just take handfuls of down and like push it down and I had like 12 inches of water in the bottom of this trash bag and I was like mixing it together like, you know, as, as about as aggressively as you can imagine and the down would just float right back to the surface and it, it would not penetrate that down and get it wet. I mean, at the end of it, maybe five ten percent of the down was starting to clump together but a good 90 percent of it was just lofty as could be so i was really really impressed with that i think that that waterproof down is um like i used to be kind of quasi concerned about like my quilt and condensation down by the feet and what would happen if it got really wet and i mean it, you would have to full-on like be in your sleeping bag, jump in a river and stay in the river for 30 minutes before I think you started losing loft. It was really, really impressive. So, um, that being said, uh, I think that same down translates into jackets. So, 
um, yeah, I was, uh, um, my motivation was going through my gear list for, um, you know, supposed to be in New Zealand and, uh, the guys I was hunting with was like everything to them is in Celsius and Fahrenheit. And they're sitting there telling me it's going to be like minus 10 to minus 20 Celsius. I'm like, Holy crap, that sounds cold. You know, <laughs> uh, and, uh, and yeah, it sounds like the hunt was going to be between, uh, zero degrees on the low end, you know, of, and, uh, and then kind of highs can get up into like the 40, but that was kind of the range. Um, and so I started researching, um, da- like my clothing's not something I've ever really looked at from a weight perspective. Uh, and I don't know why, you know, it's just like, uh, typically always wear first light over the last 10 years and they just, what jacket they had, I just threw on and, and, uh, didn't really put it on a scale. And so, um, I started weighing clothes and seeing like trying to match performance for, for weight versus warmth. And, and, um, one thing I, I wanted to look at was to see if there was any, um, down jackets out there that I could get, um, you know, really great warmth out of that were lighter weight. And so that's what started me on a research, uh, online research, diving into the internet interwebs, uh, trying to find companies that were making down jackets, um, that were super, super light, but super warm. So, um, I ended up st- uh, settling on a, um, a jacket It's called a stellar ultra, ultralight down. Um, and I don't, they're a Swedish company just ordered the jacket and I've been really, really impressed with it. Um, I think it's like 11 and a half ounce jacket. That's, that's really, really warm. They use a, a um, they call it a thousand fill down. I think it's, uh, European versus U.S. It's probably a 950 fill in the U.S. How that whatever they use uh, to measure it. Um, super lofty, and um, the one thing I wanted to test was um, the waterproofness of it. So I it was a uh, we had a crazy rainstorm one day, um, and I have the uh, those downspouts at my house. It's just chains hanging down. Um, so I, I put the jacket just literally at the bottom of the downspout, uh, and it like it got 30 minutes of a full-on spring rainstorm on the bottom of a downspout um and went out there once the sun came out grabbed the jacket like shook it twice and basically it was dry it didn't lose one ounce aloft um was completely and utterly dry so it was it made me want to go i've never done that test on anything else before so maybe a lot of all these um down jackets that have uh, waterproof down and a good DWR coating on the fabric on the shell fabric are going to perform similarly. But I was blown away by it that uh, 30 minutes of the hardest rain you could possibly imagine. And it had all of its loft and was completely dry on the inside. So pretty cool test. Um, and uh, maybe gave me some confidence like, man, I could use, I could just have this jacket. And if it's going to rain on me for 30 minutes, I could just wear this and be completely fine. So I think, I have a suspicion that um, wearing it, like as you're moving and you've got body heat coming out, that that performance would change. It probably wouldn't perform quite the same. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of excited to test it out. I've been looking for an excuse to to slap it on and, and go stand out in a rainstorm. Uh, just haven't had one yet. So. Yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah, one thing I like about when you start talking about down, be it in synthetic or be it in sleeping bags or jackets or what have you, is it's one of those deals where it's it can be pretty easy to compare. Like you can legit look at specs and understand um, warmth a little bit just based off of most companies are going to tell you the fill power of the down, which is the efficiency of the down essentially. 
and then say how much of that down is in there, right? So um, you can look at like, say the Brooks um, down jacket from First Flight, which is a really, really light jacket. And you can see that it has 100 grams of down and it's 850 fill power or 800 fill power down. You could then compare that to some other jacket and go, oh, well, this one's 650 fill, uh, fill power. This one's 950 and it has so many grams of down. So that being able to kind of like really compare things is really helpful. And then just in general, one thing that to look at and consider be it down or synthetic is not just that insulation property, but also looking at that external shell. Um, you know, what type of denier or fabric is that? Or you take something like a first light on compagre, which is, you know, has a hybrid of fabrics essentially on the outside. I mean, it's, it's pretty much bomb proof, uh, in a lot of ways compared to a lot of lightweight garments. So, um, it's not as, you know, always as easy as just looking at the ounces of the garment, like the garment's weight, but it's actually comparing what is the shell fabric? What is the efficiency? Um, of the fill power, so be it down or synthetic, and then how much of that's in there. And with those different factors, you can really look at different benefits in terms of performance for you, um, which is nice because you're not just necessarily wondering. You can like crunch those numbers and figure out some things. Yeah. One thing that shocked me was just the, the um, kind of the performance weight versus even going from, from a 800 to a, a 900 fill down. Um, you can kind of go look, my point of reference was I was going and looking at the, um, quilt companies. So enlightened equipment, hammock gear, um, and catabatic and looking at basically they'll have their 22 degree, you know, in case catabatic bag, you can see that they take about to get the same warmth as 950. They have to add almost two ounces more of 850 fill to get to 950. Um, so there's a pretty big performance jump in that higher fill down. So that was one one of the things in my down jacket search was basically I had like a minimum it needed to be 850 fill. Um, I was like anything below that I was just riding off because um, I knew that, again, I was searching for the lightest, warmest jacket I could find. Um, and uh, so that, yeah, I kind of had that as my minimum requirement. Um, this is funny. I had another question from a very old episode, uh, and it was a recent question. So this guy had gone back to an episode from 2015 and apparently we were talking about, uh, mountain fitness and he said, we touched on supplements we use while hunting. Um, he was wondering what do we use today? Any specific drink mixes, goos, or other quote unquote mountain supplements? Um, yeah, I'd be curious to go back and listen to what we talked to then in 2015. But for you, for today, Steve, any supplements or specific, call it performance food or performance type yeah, tools? I found the coolest thing in the world, man. Um, gummy bears. It <laughs> 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 literally like, I can't remember. I think it was just Kyle, wasn't it? It was Kyle, Kyle yeah. Yeah. Um, turned, turned me on to gummy bears. And literally, they are. I have them with me all the time um it's like the perfect uh i think you're like used to just do cliff shot blocks is kind of the equivalent to that right like yep. um and i basically think yeah i just get um black forest gummy bears black forest Haribo's the, better right the gold pack black forest no, is, no, no dude forest. i will Soccer. fight you to the death <laughs> listeners do uh, a test and let us know because Haribo will crush it black forest is way better um 
the but yeah, like seriously, performance wise, they're fantastic. I, they I just can't listen and, to anything um, you say now. I just can't like, treat it seriously. <laughs> so they come in like this 0.7 ounce little single serve bagging baggy, um, and uh, yeah, I just basically open up the little thing. There's like seven of them. Just pop in my mouth, eat them, uh, and I use them. Print like I literally have them in my truck. Uh, I've got them. Uh, I, I mentioned I got that Peloton bike. Um, I'll, I'll, if I know I'm going to do like a 45 minute to an hour long ride, um, I'll just do, you know, just grab a bag and eat it right before I start. And it's just this perfect little boost of energy. Um, I used to get, um, I've gone back to 15. Um, I it, probably at that point was using wilderness athlete, um, energy and focus. And they have a thing like, uh, you mix, uh, energy and focus with a uh, hydrate and recover two of their Superman. Yeah, Superman, two of their drink mixes. Um, and I still do that to this day, actually, when I'm mountain biking. If I'm going to go out on a, a two-hour long, you know, 25-mile ride, um, I just put that. I have one water bottle of just water and one water bottle of that mixture in that. And that gives me, like, a good steady um, kind of flow of, of uh, the sugars and whatever the heck my body needs to, to kind of maintain a good pace for multiple, you know, a couple hours. So um, that's still a great, great thing, but I just – when it comes to hiking and, and hunting, I just switched over to gummy bears and, um, like, uh, yeah, that, I mean, the good example is the bear, uh, I killed a bear a few months ago and literally got the whole pack loaded up and then just threw a mouthful of gummy bears in. And then, you know, we did our five, six mile hike on out of there, whatever it was. Um, and, uh, it just, yeah, it's like the perfect little balance of energy and good to go. Yeah, it's, uh, we talked with Kyle, and it'd be fun to talk to him again, but in episode 124, uh, that episode is Food to Fuel Backcountry Performance uh, with Kyle Camp, who runs Valley to Peak Nutrition, uh, and in there is when we, we first talked with Kyle about gummy bears. I was already a fan, but when I had a nutritionist telling me that they were excellent fuel, I was like, well, okay, I will double down on gummy bears then. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, if you look at a lot of the quote unquote supplements or uh, performance or sport fuels or foods in the end most of those just boil down to number one carbohydrates and then number two uh, electrolytes and some do both some do one or the other but those are key things to look at um, specifically for performance and you know higher exertion types of activities is making that you're fueled with carbohydrates and replenished with electrolytes in terms of especially sweat loss and things like that. So, um, yeah, I don't, I used to do the gels and the shop blocks and all that stuff, but like you, I mean, I'm just it for quick stuff. I've gummy bears, um, herbo for sure. Uh, the other little things like, especially on the death hike, um, something super long or hot, or I'll still do this Occasionally for like long training hikes this time of year, um, when I'm just losing a ton of sweat is supplement with electrolytes. Um, you can take specifically like the salt pills or, uh, and I do this for some warmer hunts too, but there's little like hydration tabs. Goo actually makes one under their brand name or uh, Noon is another one, N-U-U-N, but they're just little tablets uh, that you drop in water and they evaporate. They, they give a nice slight fizz and a good clean flavor to the water, which is nice, but you can specifically get ones uh, with electrolytes and things like that. So those are another um, super easy thing to pack on a multi-day hunt, really convenient, mix up the both the boredom of water because it gives you some of that flavor without being too strong and then also gets you some electrolytes. So that's another thing I use today. 
outside of that, man, I've, you know, I've really tried to stay away from, uh, and I'm not, I don't eat like totally clean in the back country. Like I've joked many times. It's the one time that I eat pop tarts and I legit look forward to that because <laughs> I don't eat them on a day to day basis. So not everything I'm eating on like a back country multi-day trip is real food, but I also try and stick to real food as much as possible. So it's just so easy to get burned out on bars and all that stuff. Um, so some of the simple things I've done is like dried fruit and then mix that with, uh, some cereal or granola. Uh, one of my favorites is like take bananas and dehydrate them with some cinnamon and then mix that with golden graham cereal. It's so good. I'll do the same thing with like dried apples then mix that with a little bit of granola. Um, so yeah, just, you know, other things the, that's more real food based. It's not some other packaged bar. And I, I do a couple of those, but they just, you can't do too many of them. Um, yeah, there's all kinds of good stuff out there. So we'll have to get Kyle back on and, and talk more about that. Um, but yeah, episode 124. And then actually, uh, just remembered as well, if you go to exomountaingear.com forward slash nutrition, um, there is a free nutrition planning guide there from Kyle. So it'll take like your height and weight and your activity levels and actually plan out like here's a good recommendation for uh, total calories and then specific breakdowns of like macronutrients as well. So you can get that there um, at exomountaingear.com forward slash nutrition. Had an interesting question slash just topic thoughts. Um, guy was listening to our TSS episode 14 and we talked about backpacking hacks. He said, one idea that came to me is the idea of combat breathing as it applies to hunting. This guy's a police officer and he says he learned this breathing technique at the academy and he's used it many times and found it really helpful uh, for like high stress or high adrenaline situations. So it applies to his work as a police officer in those encounters, but he also uses it for hunting. Um, you know, when shot opportunities are there, your heart rate's high, adrenaline's running, um, and using breathing techniques to calm yourself for the shot. So he specifically mentioned combat breathing, which is, uh, I think the same as box breathing. I've heard both terms. The, the specific idea on that one is you basically take like a four second inhale, hold it for four seconds, have a four second exhale and hold that for four seconds. That's why they call it box breathing. You have like four segments, four sides of this box, each are four seconds long, and it's an inhale, hold, exhale, hold. Um, I don't necessarily do that for hunting, but I will say that breathing and paying attention to your breathing is really important, I think, especially in a shot opportunity. Um, and you can somewhat replicate this with just getting your heart rate high and shooting. Um, whether it's a specific technique or not, Steve, do you pay attention to that or have, you know, thought about that or looked at that in the past? Um, yeah, I mean, two things come to mind. One, um, I just learned this through, uh, the competitive, uh, mountain biking, um, was just like, it's really easy when things get, um, you know, you've got like a really big climb in front of you and, and you know, for whatever reason, you're just trying to get to the top as fast as possible. You kind of want to like, like tense up and, and you like almost hold your breath at times, you know, it's kind of hard to explain, but, uh, um, I've, uh, you know, I learned just to have, like, just be very conscientious about like just fully breathing. Um, I almost try to, um, like 
try to slow my heart rate down while I'm doing the exercise, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. where I'm just like taking deeper, slower breaths instead of like getting like really short. Uh, sometimes you'll catch yourself just, you know, <sighs> you know, and, the, and you just, you just want to slow down and just kind of just slow that process down. Um, so I'll, I consciously do that if I'm, you know, uh, say there's an elk above me and, um, I know I need to get, you know, 200 yards straight up this hill as fast as I can. Um, like I said, your natural inclination, inclination is just kind of like almost like, you know, grind it out and, and you almost like hold your breath and then you're going to get to the top and be completely winded and not be able to catch up. So you definitely kind of pace yourself on that and slow your breathing down. Um, and then also definitely caught myself in like buck fever situations, right? Like you're, um, say, um, an elk's coming in and it's like, I know what's going to happen, but it's a couple minutes into the future, right? Like everything's mm-hmm. looking great. I'm in a great spot. Callers coming behind me, the bulls bugling, uh, caught myself getting excited. Right. And there's a very conscious, like, okay, slow your heart rate down. You know, I don't do a technique per se of the, of the box breathing, but I'm definitely like, um, yeah, I'm just trying to envision, um, I guess I can, maybe this is easier for me because uh, I, I, at a lot of my exercise, I'm wearing a heart rate monitor. So it's kind of easy for me to, to know what it takes to like slow my heart rate down and just watch my breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, very conscientious about doing that same, same situation of, uh, I've stalked a bedded buck and he's starting to wrestle around and I know he's going to get up. Um, and so your, your, your natural, your adrenaline level spikes. Um, you know, I'm very conscious about, yeah, it's just slowing the breathing down, knowing, um, and really, you know, I'm approaching this from a bow perspective, the same from a rifle. It's like you need to have a nice, calm, steady kind of heartbeat and breath to be able to execute a good shot. Uh, you can't just be huffing and puffing and, you know, uh, that's definitely going to inhibit you when it comes to the, the moment of squeezing that trigger. So um, very conscious about that, but no specific technique that I've ever tried to do. I've never tried to you know do that box or anything like that. So. Yeah, I don't I, I don't I've. I remember trying box breathing for something. It wasn't hunting, but for me, it's a hundred percent the same. And I would say if you're listening, it's the same for you, whether you realize it or not really, because what, what you described Steve of like when you have anticipation, anticipation, stress or adrenaline, unless you're pretty intentional about your breath, your breath is going to change. And it's like you said, it's going to get shorter. Sometimes you even hold your breath. Um, that can happen shooting under, uh, physical exertion, all kinds of things. So I think it is worth paying attention to, especially if you've never looked at it. Um, even thinking back to, you know, we talked recently on a Monday minute about shot routines. Like I've seen it for sure that some guys don't breathe when they get to full draw and that's going to affect you greatly. So maybe something to look at or try is making breath part of your shot routine in some way. Um, and for sure, like you mentioned, especially when encounters come in and I still have to do this, making calming your breath, like it just, it calms your whole system when your breath is calm. Um, being intentional about that is, it can be really important. So yeah, if you guys haven't looked at that, I would, I would highly suggest you look at it, whether you look into techniques like box breathing or just kind of play with it yourself. Um, you know, I, one thing I would do, uh, is look at, getting your heart rate high and shooting and seeing how your breath can affect that. Um, cause that can translate to, you know, high heart rate under adrenaline. So you can do something, uh, I don't get too crazy into like the, the crazy fitness drills, right? Where you like sprint and then shoot your bow or do 15 push ups and shoot your bow or whatever. But 
specifically for breathing, that might be a fun thing to try is like do something very physical, get your heart rate up, use your breath to calm yourself and then, you know, play with that for shooting effectiveness. So that'd be cool. All right, guys, that's a wrap for today. Hope you had a great holiday weekend. Steve, I hope you're having fun fishing uh, in the future slash present. Um, Guys, reach out anytime. Shoot us an email. Let us know what questions you got, what topics you want to hear about. Podcast at exomountgear.com. And we'll talk to you soon.